Good morning. I'm Anna Marie, and it's time again for Focus. Today, we're talking about heart health, and we're talking about what Go Red for Women is all about. The American Heart Association folks are here, and as always, they are a wealth of information. Their website is heart.org if you want to get more information uh, from the American Heart Association. One of the things that they've told me is that heart disease is the number one killer of women. You may have heard that. One in three women die from heart disease. It's the leading cause of death in women. More women die from heart disease than all forms of cancer combined. You hear a lot about cancer walks and cancer fundraisers, and it is extremely important. But that's why we want to encourage you to learn a little more about heart disease because sometimes women die because they don't know the symptoms of heart disease. Sometimes they die because they don't get the help that they need, even if they think they're experiencing the symptoms. So we're going to talk more about that as well. But first, we have a special guest who is a survivor of some very serious heart events at a very young age. Would you go ahead and introduce yourself, please? Yeah, thank you. My name is Jody. I work in Nashville in the medical field, and I'm 31, and I've had open heart surgery twice in the past three years. Well, I think that's a very good place to start. Let's just dig in and tell your story, Jody. It was about three and a half years ago. I was working out full time, very active in the community, very active physically, and I was having a great day. I had gotten to work and I passed out. I felt a very sharp pain in my chest, and next thing I know, everybody is standing over me, asking me if I can hear them, if I'm awake, and I have coworkers who are on the phone, you know, with 911, and they're like, can she chew an aspirin? I'm like, no, not chewing an aspirin, and so they got to me, and they took me to the hospital. Wait, why did you say no? Do you want to chew an aspirin <laughs> without water? I didn't know if you were just like kind of out no. of it and it was just like. I and, would know. And did you not know why? Oh, I knew why, but I wasn't going to chew an aspirin. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I may be dying, but I'm not no, chewing. Yeah, a not, darn aspirin. not happening. OK, go and ahead. so um, I get to the hospital and they take me back immediately. They did an EKG. Everything was normal. So they're like, what is your pain level? And I'm like, it's about an eight. A lot of pain right in the middle of my chest. Someone make it stop. So the doctors did chest x-rays. They did blood work. They did everything, and everything was just coming back normal. The doctor could not figure out what was wrong with me, why I was in so much pain. They had already given me two very high doses of pain medicine and nothing. It just was not going away. So finally, the doctor was like, okay, I'm not sending you home until we know what is wrong with you. So... He does an ultrasound of my chest and notices that my aorta was enlarged. And he was very adamant. He's just like, you're 28, you're healthy, there's nothing wrong. I really just think your chest wall is bruised, but we're going to send you for a CT just to be sure. So I go upstairs, have my CT. It wasn't even 30 minutes later that I got back in the room that the doctor was coming in with another nurse to give me a second IV to lower my blood pressure and telling me and my mom that they had already called the surgeons, that I had a three-centimeter tear in my aorta, and I was going to have to have open-heart surgery immediately. And you were how old? I was 28. What is a CT? What does that do? Uh, CT is a CAT scan. Most people have either a CT, a PET scan, an MRI. The CAT scan shows more dimensional rather than... Like an X-ray just shows the outer levels. Like the, the surface, cat scan, yeah. Kind of. The CAT scan will show all of the internal things that you need to see. So that's how they could see that mm-hmm. you had a tear. Exactly. What causes something like that? Typically, it happens to sixty-five-year-old men. 
Yeah, and not 28-year-old healthy females. Yeah. So that's one of the reasons why they just they couldn't figure out what was wrong with me, and I just got lucky with the doctor that I had in the ER who was just like, let's just run this one test and see, and mm-hmm. he, he found it. So what did you think when you heard that? And you're getting ready to go into having open-heart surgery. Well, the doctor had already told me that if I survived the surgery, oh boy, the people who do spend the rest of their life on disability. So here I am, 28, very active, and he is telling me that I'm going to have to have open heart surgery and the type of surgery that I'm going to have to have, I'm going to spend the rest of my life on disability. All I remember thinking was, my life is over. This is it. And it was, it was crazy. Everything just kind of happened so fast after that. What did you do? Well, I <laughs> I can tell I personally it's... like went to sleep because they lowered my blood pressure down to like 80 over 50, more pain medicine, stronger pain medicine, moved me to the ICU. And the last thing I remember was the anesthesiologist coming into the ICU room and putting the blood pressure into my hand and telling me what he was doing. This is this is an IV so that we can monitor your blood pressure better. The nurse pulling my hair up into a bun. And then that was it. I don't remember anything until this happened on a Friday and I woke up on Tuesday. It was fast for for me, mm-hmm. not for everybody else. So you hadn't really had a chance to process it. It was just happening. It was it was happening no matter what. Um, when the surgeon came in and talked to me and my mom, he kind of explained what was going to happen. They wanted to try to wait till Monday to have the procedure just so that they could prepare for it. And I, I've been told that on Saturday morning, they came in and did another CAT scan just to see how bad the tear was, if it was getting worse, if lowering my blood pressure made it a little bit better. And it was not getting any better, even with me being sedated. And with less pressure on the tear. Exactly. And so they had to do emergency surgery, which was eight hours. Wow. Mm -hmm. And then when I woke up, well, after the surgery, I should say, they couldn't get me breathing. I, my lungs just wouldn't work properly. So I was on a ventilator for 24 hours and then a BiPAP machine for 24 hours and then finally moved to regular oxygen for about 48 hours. And when I finally woke up on Tuesday, I was able to eat. I had broth. I had no appetite whatsoever, not in a good place. I just... And then the next day on Wednesday, I was finally able to get up. I had therapy, and they helped me learn how to get out of the bed. I got to use the bathroom by myself, Mm -hmm. and then they moved me to a regular room. And again, we're talking, you were how old? It's 28. 28-year-old woman who's just gone through open-heart surgery, and it was surprise surgery. Yeah. How were you feeling mentally at that time? Just like in a daze? It was, while I was in the hospital, I was very... I was still very drugged. I, I didn't have a whole lot of thoughts. I slept a lot. Which is probably have, good. In, yeah, I didn't, the... I didn't have an appetite. Even, even to this day, I have friends who are like, you text me this. And I was like, I, I don't know what I sent you. I yeah. have no recollection of a lot of the things from while I was yeah. in the hospital. They all got a laugh out of it because they got, you know. It was like a drunk text. Drunk texts from me while I was in the hospital. <laughs> Did Jody text you? She said she loves me, man. So, uh, yeah. Well, so, okay, so then you weren't disabled for the rest of your life. I was not. So I had a month checkup, and then I had a three-month checkup, 
and then I had a six-month checkup, and mm-hmm. then finally a one-year checkup. So at my, it was about four and a half months, I had a checkup, and I was really hoping that my doctor was going to release me to at least go back to doing yoga. I was not released. He told me it was not going to be then. I just needed to continue to heal. I was out of work for 12 weeks Whoa. before I could go back to work, and it was still, when I went back, was still part-time because everything I was just... Everything made me tired. I couldn't overexert myself at all. I would I would go to work for four hours and go home and pass out for four hours. Why were you tired? What what does it affect in in when well, something like this happens? They tried to keep my blood pressure low so that not, it n- wouldn't happen again. So my blood pressure was low, which in itself makes you more tired and cold. I was always cold. Mm-hmm. So it was just a little bit of one of those things where your body is still healing and you're not used to what's happening. Your whole breastbone was just broken open. So you're sore. You can't sleep right because you can't get comfortable. And everything just takes all of your energy to do anything. So you kept progressing. Yep. So I kept progressing. And and, you my, and, and, and you're saying that you, this happened several, several times. So we've got to get to, to the, the second one. Second one. Yeah. So at my one-year checkup, I was released to go back to living my life at full capacity. I could go back to doing all of the workouts I was doing before. I could go back to work full time. I mean, everything was no restrictions whatsoever. So I did go back to my aerial life a little bit. I was an aerialist, like kind of like Cirque du Soleil kind of things. Mm-hmm. So I did get to go back to that a little bit. But one class after an hour, I was I was done. I couldn't do a whole lot. And usually only one or two classes a week at most. And it would just raise my blood pressure because I would get too hot. I would oh. get overheated. So I didn't get to go back to it full time like I was before. But everything was good. I went back to living my life and I had my two year checkup and everything was great. And then my three year checkup and my doctor found a leak in my in my valve. So I I call he called me and he was like, it's just a small leak. Everything is fine. And he's like, there's nothing to worry about. And I was just like, would that cause pain? Because I've been having chest pain for like several months now. Oh, no. And he was like, um, not really. Let's go ahead and have you come on in. We'll run some more tests. So the question is, though, (laughs) you know, the question, if you'd had chest pain like that, did you think it was normal or did you have a red flag and you were afraid to confront it? It was a little bit of both just because in my first year, I went to the ER so many times because I didn't know what was normal, what wasn't normal. Yeah. And whenever you overdo yourself, if you lift something too heavy, you have that chest pain. And to me, after three years and everything has been normal for me, it was maybe I should ask. I'm going to see him in August. I'll just wait till then. It's it's not a constant pain. I'll be okay. If you're just joining us, I'm Anna Marie, and this is Focus. And our guest today is Jody Knight, and she's a survivor of some pretty major heart events. And that's what we're hearing is her story. So you go back and you have a leak in the valve. In the is valve. this a valve that they had put in, or is no. this the valve so that you had? My first surgery was my aorta. Oh. So they had to replace my aorta. Okay. So now I have a leak in my valve. So what does the valve do? The valve is what pumps. The blood in and out of your heart. Okay. So if there's a leak, you're bleeding out. Ah. Same with the tear in the aorta. 
it's not pro- it's not pushing all the way through your heart. Gotcha. I go see my doctor, tell him exactly what's been going on, the type of pain, where it's at, how it's happening, and he sends me for a full coronary CAT scan. And it was the same day that I had my CAT scan. He called me and said, so I'm seeing why you have chest pain. Your graft, which is what he replaced my aorta with, is busting open and your aneurysm is has caused a bubble, which is pressing into your breastbone. He said, that is what's causing your pain. So it wasn't even the valve that was causing my pain. It was my aneurysm had come back and was busting through the stitches on my graft and causing a dent in my breastbone. So an aneurysm, tell me if this is right, an aneurysm is like a weak spot in... It is swelling. Where So it's where it can, mm-hmm. it can make that swelling and, exactly. and it's like what, blood... To fill it and, and push it out, yeah. basically, or something? Yeah, so typically an aneurysm is just the swelling of whatever area the aneurysm is at. And then when it dissects is the tear. So I had not only a thoracic aortic aneurysm, I had a thoracic aortic aneurysm dissection because mine had actually torn. Torn, okay. Mm-hmm. And so now you've got this aneurysm that is like pushing against yep. your breastbone and exactly. causing more pain. Yeah. So my doctor told me he wanted to reach out to some other physicians, surgeons who specialize specifically in the type of aneurysm that I had to see if he could fix it without having to cut me back open. Mm-hmm. It was about two weeks and I get the call and I knew my brain just knew what was coming down the pipeline and I was prepared for it. I was prepared for the call. I I was expecting the worst. And he called me and he said, there's not another way to do it. So we're going to have to do the surgery again and replace your graft. It'll be the same exact surgery we had three years ago. It'll last the same amount of time. You'll have the same recovery. Mm -hmm. Everything will be the same. And so I said, okay, okay. That's just all it is. Okay. He said, We'll call you tomorrow and get it scheduled. And they called me and I got it scheduled for about two weeks out. And I mean, I, I didn't cry. I did. I, it didn't. It never hit me like I thought it was going to. Mm-hmm. And I think that had a lot to do with my recovery process the second go round as well. I was just I was mentally ready for it. And I, there's no other way that I can explain it. My body was just ready. So I went in, I did my pre-admission testing, had my surgery. I mean, it was night and day compared to the first one. Same exact surgery, but I woke up that night. I had surgery on a Tuesday. I woke up at like 1 o'clock in the morning, and I was awake. I felt them doing everything to me. It was it was crazy. I was only in the ICU for one day. Mm-hmm. Well, I guess technically two nights, but one day. I got moved to a room. I was in the hospital for six days. Seven days the first time, six days the second time. I was only out of work for six weeks. Everything was just easier. And you think mindset really had a lot to do with it? Definitely. Definitely. I was. I knew what to expect. I, I already knew what pain I needed to, was going to have. I already knew how to sleep. I knew how to get up. I knew how to go to the bathroom by myself. Like Everything was second nature at that point. Yeah. And it was completely different. The first time I was completely passed out for four days, was in the ICU for five. 
it was mm-hmm. I did I was learning everything fresh. Everything was emergent. Everything was new. And then the second time I was I was prepared for it. I knew. I think that's a big difference. You said everything was emergent. It was like this was it yeah. got to be done. You had no power over it, no control over it. Yep. Next time you go in like, here's what we're going to do. Exactly. Wow. Yeah. OK. And so that so was the second time. The second time I, I now have to see a cardiologist instead of just checking in with my surgeon every year to make sure everything is still good. I have to see a cardiologist regularly to make sure my heart rate stays low, my blood pressure stays low. I can never lift over 40 pounds for the rest of my life ever. I can never go back to doing any sort of physical activity. I can walk. I can do light yoga, but I can never do anything strenuous. I can't have kids. I can't. Everything in my life changed. How do you make that work? When I first learned about the kids thing, it, it took time to adjust to it. But for me, it's 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 just the way it's supposed to be, if that makes sense. It's just I was left here on this earth for a reason, and that's the only way that I can I can keep it all together is mm-hmm. there's a purpose why I'm still here. There's a purpose why I had to go through this. And if I can't work out, it's okay. It's not the end of the world. It is not the end of the world that I can't hang from my feet on silks. I mean, <laughs> uh, my friends are very active. They like to hike. So for me, I can go hiking. I can I can still do light things. But so I just molded my life to fit what I can. Do you enjoy your life? I do. Very much so. I, I go out all the time. Since I don't have kids, I have no restrictions. <laughs> I mean, Woo! my sister has four. That's enough for me. So, <laughs> Okay, so where, so where are you now health-wise? My last surgery was just in September. So I'm still in my one-year waiting period. So I'm still making sure that my medicine works. I'm, we're still weighing all of that out mm-hmm. to get me on the right levels and checking in. My next appointment is in May and I'll have another CT just to make sure that the leak is okay and make sure that my graft is holding together and and going from there. So you've added things to your life that you would not possibly have added because of all of this. Yeah. So I eat healthier now. Oh, (laughs) a lot healthier. (laughs) Um, I don't know. I've I've learned a lot about women's heart health. I've learned a lot about my own family history. I've learned it does not matter what's in your family genes because anything can happen. There is no heart issues in my family at all. I've had genetic testing. I've done Marfan syndrome testing. I've had it all. And there's there's absolutely no reason why I should have had an aneurysm. It just happened. Yeah. And I think that's one of the biggest things is it's really helped me to learn to live for today and not for future things that you have no control over. So I try to live my best life and be happy with my life and help others be happy with their life. So, In what way do you help others? I definitely like to go out. So I always try to make sure that people understand you don't know what's going to happen in your life. Enjoy your life. Enjoy the small things in your life Mm -hmm. and take care of yourself because so many people don't think about the consequences of what they do. And when I say the consequences of what they do, I'm talking about like eating unhealthy all the time. Yeah. You know, drinking all the time, things like that. And I think that if I can help them to understand, you know, 
changing one meal a week is better than continuing down this path that you're on and sharing my story with people to let them know, you know, anything can happen. You don't know. Take care of yourself. I think that goes a long way for people. And you're now a volunteer with the American Heart Association. Is that how you get your story out? Um, Well, I get my story out on my personal Instagram page, but I do tag the American Heart Association so that they can share it if they wish. And I share my story with anybody who asks, and I get asked a lot. I work in a hospital on the cardio floor, cardiac floor, and I get asked regularly when people see my scar, oh, you had heart surgery? Mm -hmm. I did. (laughs) I feel (laughs) you. So So did you already? um, Or did you start working no, I, I've worked in insurance for years and years and years. So so now you work on the cardiac floor yeah, at a hospital. Yeah, a couple days a week, yeah. Well, that's pretty awesome. What is your Instagram page? It is Jody in Nashville. J-O-D-I? Yes, ma'am. I-N Nashville? That's right. On Insta. And we'll p- post that as we post her story on our Focus Facebook page. What do you think might be the most important message to get out to women who are listening? What do you think are some of the things that women yeah. need to know about? Definitely talk to your doctor. Talk, talk, talk to your doctor. Find out what you're capable of as far as health-wise. Get your heart checked. Make sure you follow your blood pressure. Make sure if it even gets a little bit high, you're asking about it. Because my second go-round, I had stopped being able to see the signs that my blood pressure was high. Because it had just become so normal for my blood pressure to just be high. What are some of the signs? What should we be looking for? So everybody is different. Everybody is different. For me, I I can usually tell when my blood pressure is high because I get really red all over. My arms get red. I get flushed. My chest gets red. My face gets and I'm already a red person, but it gets like Bozo the Clown red. I mean, and, and that's usually how I can tell that I need to sit down. I need to cool down. I need to sit in a fan. I mean, there's... Something happening that's raising my blood pressure. And does that help? Like it does. It does. Okay. Typically, my blood pressure goes up when I get hot. Oh, okay. So when my blood pressure goes up is not a good thing. So it's definitely something that you need to, to monitor. Cholesterol, people don't take that super seriously. Definitely check your cholesterol. Eat healthy. They're, What's it supposed to be? Oh, I, I know the guidelines tend to change. Your doctor will be able to tell you what's what normal for you. What is yours supposed to be? I think the last time I had mine tested was in August, and it was normal, and I'm, I'm going to butcher it. I think it was like <laughs> 110, if that's a normal range. It was it was low. It was more on the lower side than it was on the higher yeah. side. Um, yeah, I think the recommendation, But so you have two, two yeah. people who really don't know saying this, but I, <laughs> I believe that what my doctor told me last time was that you want to try and keep it under 200. Yeah. Total. So it seems like 110 would be a good number. When I have blood work, I see all of the numbers and it tells me what's in the normal range. So it's like I yes. just look at it and compare. Yes. So and if you have questions about what's supposed to be normal and what you need to do to lower your cholesterol, always ask your doctor. They're more than happy. That's what they get paid to do is to help you. <laughs> My doctor is always more than happy to answer any questions that I have. And yeah. I always have questions. A lot of them. Did you have symptoms beforehand that you think now, oh, I should have paid attention to that? From the first First time from yeah. the first surgery, I had no symptoms whatsoever. Nothing. Nothing. And just from researching on the American Heart Association's page, most women don't have symptoms, especially for a stroke. You don't know it's coming. And if you are keeping up with your blood pressure and you're keeping up with your cholesterol and you're keeping up with your diet and your exercise, 
hopefully everything will stay good, but sometimes you just don't know. Sometimes things just happen mm-hmm. and you got to roll with it. You want to talk about the importance of Go Red Day and what that means oh, to you yeah, now? That's, that's a great one. So I've always celebrated the Go Red Day for years and years and years. Again, I've worked in the medical field for a long time. But then it hit me in a whole different way three years ago because it now affected me. Like there was a reason that is out there. And Go Red Day is huge for women's heart health. It's not just heart health. Everyone knows the signs of a heart attack in a man. But do you know the signs of a heart attack in a woman? Which are? They're different for everybody. But most of the time, jaw pain, neck pain, back pain, blood pressure. Not the typical man syndrome at all. Not Men get the pain down the down their arm. They get the chest pain. And they're like, heart attack. It is not like that for women. Yeah. I've thought I was having a heart attack before because I had all of the signs. I had high blood pressure. I had jaw pain. I had back pain. And I went to the ER. I am having a heart attack. See me right now. Yeah. I was not having a heart attack. But what was I knew the signs. Blood pressure. Uh, just, just high blood pressure. Yeah. That was it. But still, you needed to be seen. Exactly. And it's worth it. it I think a lot of times women are afraid to go to the ER because they think, oh, I don't think it's anything. And That is the biggest thing. And, you know, people make fun of men for, you know, being over dramatic about their health. But... If women were a little bit more overdramatic about serious things like that, then maybe, you know, one in three women wouldn't die from heart issues. Yeah. So take it seriously. And I question everything. <laughs> everything. Did, did you before or now you do? <laughs> oh, no, I still I did then too. everything. My doctor is on email for me. He he knows <laughs> I'm going to I'm going to call my doctor for any little thing anything at all and now it's just worse now because i have actual problems (laughs) i read recently that part of the reason that women die from heart issues is because we don't seek that help is that men and women both have heart attacks but women tend to die from them more than men do yeah and it probably goes right down to not knowing the signs of a heart attack and they just think oh it's just my back it's okay I'll be fine. I'm just going to go take a bath. And that's that's not what's wrong. You need to seek help. Yeah. Find out what is going on. And in today's society, there is access to all kind. I'm not one to tell you to Google your medical problems. But Google what the signs of a heart attack are for women, because those are things that you need to know. True. Signs of a stroke. You need to know those things. And so many people don't. And that's one of the biggest things with Go Red Day is It's getting that pertinent information out there so that not just women know these vital information, but everyone knows the vital information that is needed to know for women's heart health. Because sometimes sometimes women need a push. So if you know the information, you're like and your female friend is having those symptoms, you can encourage her and go, no, you need to go to the emergency room. Exactly. You need to go. And because she may not know. Or she may be resistant to because, oh, it's nothing. And we're used to kind of toughen it out and taking care of. We're women. We're supposed to tough it out. Take care of everybody else. Yeah. And make make fun of men. (laughs) But, you know, it's tough to go to the doctor when you need it. Mm -hmm. Who are you going to save if you're dead? There are doctors out there who will tell you, go to the ER. We would much rather see you, treat you, than you stay at home and something actually happened. Then you come in and get tested and nothing is wrong. Yeah. So... 
it's it's just one of those things, you know, women are all about taking care of other people and not themselves. And that's you can't take care of other people if you're not taking care of yourself first. That's right. And your Instagram page again is Jody in Nashville. Yep. Okay. And we're going to post the link for the American Heart Association where you can get lots more information on our Focus Facebook page as well. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me. Make sure you join us again next week. I'm Anna Marie, and that's Focus. Focus.